Blog Talk Radio. Indiana Adoptee Network News host Pam Krofsky has been an advocate for the adoption community for over 25 years, serving as president of both HERE, Hoosiers for Equal Access to Records, and IAN, Indiana Adoption Network, a nonprofit organization committed to enhancing the lives of those who have been touched by adoption, focusing on education and empowerment. And now your host, Pam Krofsky. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining me. Gosh, it's rainy here. I don't know if it is where you are, but it's kind of one of those gloom uh, December days. But it's kind of bright in here because we're going to talk about some good things today. And we all made it through November, which, you know, that is um, always, I know, heavy on a lot of us. No matter where you are in this, you know, lovely part of the constellation, it's nice to get through November and hopefully move on to happier times. I know sometimes, though, December can be a little bit um, heavy also with the holidays for some people. Some of us have birthdays, like myself, and um, I think it's, it is getting, I think, better for me, and I think at the coming out of the fog time, it's scary, and you realize maybe you don't like your birthday as much as you thought. But if that's the case, uh, you know, that's a good time to reach out to peeps and, and talk to others and find out, you know, you're not alone in this. And that's another reason for me doing the podcast and uh, reaching out to you guys and, and hoping that our subjects, you know, touch every single one of you guys. Um, anyways, I want to introduce my guest before I get too much on a uh, uh, ADD rant here. Um, my guest today is Lori Holden. Uh, she writes at the award-winning site, LavenderLuz.com. She's the author of The Open-Hearted Way to Open Adoption, written with her daughter's birth mom, and acclaimed by people in all parts of the adoption constellation. Welcome, Lori. Thanks for coming on today. Hello, Pam. It's so great to be on Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> oh, right. Don't you love that? I'm not sure why they chose a British accent. I have no idea. I would like to imitate it, but I don't know if mine would be better than yours or not. <laughs> probably, probably, probably would. I won't try. <laughs> now, well, I, I, I know, know you have. Up. Yeah, I know you've been out there in the community. Um, you know, you and I have reached out to each other before, and um, I know you you have some you know views that will definitely enlighten us. I think today. So being being an adoptive mom is is um I would say at the least challenging. <laughs> I don't know how anyone raised me, uh but I know you've got some definite insight to this. So kind of I, I other than I know you being an adoptive parent, what, you know, kind of spurred you to start writing about it and kind of put yourself out there a little bit? Yeah, um, my blog is about to turn uh, 10 years old, and I get what you're saying about November. I turned uh, my blog over to adopted people in November. Anything written about adoption was written by adoptees on my blog in November, and the topics were um, sometimes very hard to read and understand. I mean, worthwhile to understand, but there's a weight, a weightiness to it. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little bit exhausted uh, being early December at this point, too, like a lot of people. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I came into adoption um, with the way a lot of people do, and I think the dawning and the awakening comes to people in different ways and at different rates. Um, but I came thinking adoption was win-win, and it was wonderful, and we had our babies now, and um, life was going to be good. That was the end, <laughs> end of the happy, that you know, we had our happy ending. And, um, of course, I wanted to get involved with other people who were having a happy, happy story like I was. And uh, as I got into different neighborhoods online 10, 11, 12 years ago, I figured out that my um, initial assumption was not right at all about the win-win. So that's, that was kind of how I got into things is figuring out that there's a lot more nuances and shades of um, gray, not, not 50 of them, but uh, it's not right. as black and white as, as I originally thought, you know. Right, right. I, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I know obviously – in in your raising of your children, you definitely have more openness and um, a tad bit more knowledge. I don't know how parents. Well, I don't know that they know that how they did it either. I think they just thought, you know, they just survived. I think that's well. And in that case, surviving is is not even the right word. But it, it's so difficult. There's there's no guidebook on this. I mean, we're trying to make them as we go, but. There is still so much to learn, even even in the open adoption, you know, arena. Uh, there's just there's still new stuff to learn. Yeah, and I think one of the things I found is that we don't we don't all agree on what open adoption is. Right. Um, a lot of people think it's contact, and I think that's only a piece of the picture, and not even the most important piece. As, along my journey, this has been <clears throat> just. Excuse me, maybe in about the last six months or so, I've come to define <clears throat> openness as dealing with what is. Right. And the more I listen to adopted people, the more I see that, yes, beyond the trauma of adoption, the other thing that makes growing up adopted so hard is pushing away what is, dealing with what isn't or not dealing at all, mainly on the part of the adoptive parents. Um, right. Or at least that I, I focus on that because that's the part that I I can have some measure of control over. Right. I you know I I think you're right because I I do think of that you know that's kind of where my brain goes is to is to contact and you know I know it's not necessarily and I think there is so much scariness around that for you know maybe everyone I'm not the adoptee maybe but. You know, what does that what does that entail? And at any point, you know, I would assume in most states that's not really that's really sort of laid out by the adoptive parent, right? I mean, that's that's the way yeah, it takes form. It's kind right? of a dance that everybody does together. But to invite in contact is to invite in complexity. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. way around that. Even if you have the best of situations, you're dealing with right. humans who have buttons that need pushed and who aren't, you know, who have insecurities and fears. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do. We're all human. But when we don't know that those are what are making us do things and we butt up against other people who who have those and then you maybe have, you know, the birth parents have a new boyfriend or a new wife or something and and the adoptee sure. gets to the age where they're having feelings about contact, you know, I've I've had I've heard stories of um it being the adopted person who needs to take a break from contact. You know, if everybody was healthy, it it would 
not be hard, but not everybody is always healthy um, in this this ever-changing constellation. I had heard somebody explain it as a kaleidoscope, and I like that because it's movement and it's um, dynamic. Uh, So that's how I've started thinking about it, too, this kaleidoscope that we have going yeah, I think, I mean, there's, there really just is, I mean, gosh, and there's so much changing in wording and what we call each other. And, you know, it's it's funny, I guess, the adoptee really never has changed their title, I guess. And I, I think, you know, we're given that title. And I, I won't say what it was, but one day I was kind of being sassy. And, you know, I did kind of make a joke about myself of, in saying, you know, I don't know what else I would call myself. And I guess in in joking, I said a previously owned human being because really, <laughs> honestly, that's kind of what we are. I mean, you yeah. know, the paperwork that my parents signed looked as if I was something that was being, you know, bought, sold, and traded, and I could be returned um, if I was not found satisfactory. And, you know, as an adult, you read those things, obviously. You know, you think – Oh, you know, I'm I'm a grown-up, I'm reading this. But it really reduces you back to, you know, I mean, whatever, I don't even know. And to read that, you just think, oh, my goodness. You know, again, we're we're dealing with times have changed, the wording has changed, you know, everything has sort of made this evolving, you know, turn. But, you know, we're not quite there yet, I don't think. I don't know that we'll ever be there, and that's probably a good thing because we will always be finding out a better turn for this, a better place, you know, to do it better, always. And um, I think that's probably a good place to always be, you know, striving to do it better. In the workshops and webinars that I lead for um, adoptive parents, I've begun to focus more on the benefits of openness because once they understand that, not only on their their beloved child um, and to themselves, I mean, I do think it can make their their child's lifetime journey and identity integration easier for them as well as for the child. But once they understand the benefits of openness, then bringing contact in is is more of a no-brainer. But I think if we start, I mean, we, we kind of thrust openness as being the way to do it without really the background of why why contact is we, we I'm sorry we we thrust contact without the behind the scenes reason of the benefits of openness dealing with what is. And so yeah, I think you're right. We need to find better ways. And maybe if we were more about promoting openness as the way to go over contact, the contact will then automatically flow. Right, right. It'll just come with it. You know, and I think too as as a parent, you know, if I you know, go backwards into my reunion and I say, you know, I remember that, you know, the day I found and um, my my adopted father actually showed up at my house with my birth parents there visiting me. They were to leave on a cruise. I was waiting to meet my, you know, my family before I introduced them. You know, I I thought, one, I deserve that that peace and that time and that ability to kind of, you know, figure out, you know, what this meant to me and, you know, to be able to filter it. And and then when they got back, I would then, you know, say, they and they knew I was searching. It was something that I had been always up front about. And um, my mom 
got told by my dad and because he ended up showing up at my house. And so I didn't get to tell her. And she said, I always knew you would find. Well, of course, Mom, I was searching. But she said, I always knew you would find. But I thought that they might live in Alaska. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no. And I get it, though. I mean, I, I do. I get that. I understand that. I mean, that sense of, you know, and I don't even want to call it jealousy because it's not that. It's just that, you know, that we've, we were a family connection. It was this, you know, this circle. And to them, they had given what they, you know, they could. They were, you know, loving, great parents. But what they don't understand is it has nothing to do with it. It's nothing to do with it. It is this inside feeling for all of us of needing to be complete and, you can't explain it, no matter how hard you try. You just can't. And I think she was devastated. So, you know, to be able to have parents now who are adopting, you know, to know how we feel and, you know, know where we're coming from, that's huge. I mean, that's really huge because it changes the game, I feel like. Yeah, I think the closed era, which was probably intended, had probably had good intentions for the most part, but it it stemmed from shame and nothing good is going to grow out of the toxic shame of, you know, soil of shame. But the other thing that came out of that era is this either or mindset that there's only one legitimate set of um, parents and we have to, to, to accept one, we have to uh, negate the other. And so that makes everybody a little bit brittle especially the adopted person at the center, and I guess especially the adoptive parents. It's so hard if you've had this either-or mindset all the way through. When that or comes into your life and you're like, now what do I do? What does this make me if they're here right. too? And so, right. I, um, I mean, there's an easy alternative. It doesn't take a lot to switch that over to a both and kind of the more the merrier approach where we can all be part of this we know how to add to families we we do this all the time when we get married we add in-laws you don't replace your mother with a mother-in-law you add to you um right and, and and you add a child and you don't divide the love that you have for the first child if you had a second child and uh so it, it's a shift we already know how to make we just need the the, the, to decide to do it with with adoption. Right. I mean, you're right because there's always this this thought process, and I think I may have even said on my last show, you know, people would ask me when I would say, you know, I'm in search, they would say, well, you're still going to love your adoptive parents, right? Really? I mean, is that even a question, one, you should ask, and two, you know, oh, nope, sorry, the quota's been met, you know, the right. cutoffs have, you know, no, that's not, I, I really don't understand when people ask that. I think, come on, you know, that's, that is just beyond even comprehension for me, you know, and like you said, when we get, when there's marriage, when, you know, um, when that happens, you add in-laws, and you, your family grows, and you, you know, you love, you can love a million people, and why would we not want you know, our children to love more people. And it happens in divorce, you know. Right. I think divorce tends to be sort of a similar thing because spouses go on to marry other people and we bring more people into their children's lives and, you know, it, it's very similar. Absolutely. And the secrets that, that came out of the um, closed era, they just 
they're so devastating. You, are you watching the show, um, the new series, This Is Us? Have you been watching that I, at all, Pam? I am, yeah. Yeah, are you? I am. I like that, they, I mean, they are true to life showing the effect of secrets when they almost inevitably come out. They're showing the impact of grief unresolved um, on the part of various characters. And so, you know, with clues from the show, we can try to figure out how to how to do this uh, in a better way that serves everybody. Deal with the grief. Deal with what is. Don't keep secrets. Bring things up to deal to address and resolve. So I, I love that the show is taking kind of a um, – uh, it's showing the complexities for uh, all, all the characters. They've got a birth father, the first father in there. They've got an adopted, a transracial adoptee in there. They've got a mother who lost a child, um, an adoptive mother who lost a child. And, and so it's, it's, I think it's being very well done and showing some of the things that we're talking about, about openness and closedness. Right. Yeah, and they, they, they spend some time after the show, I think, online um, talking and you can – you know, go online and listen to some of the, you know, the thoughts that go through the actors' minds at the time. And I don't know, I mean, I do know who's writing it, and I'd love to know. I've not heard, but I would assume that somebody in there really must know something. I mean, somebody must, you know, have adopted or been adopted. They're too far in to really, I mean, I don't know what it is. They have a very major connection, whatever it is. And... You know, the scene where, you know, they're at the the dojo, they're doing the karate and the push-ups and, you know, all the men, that, I was, I was just, you know, crying. I mean, I, I, I always watch it a little bit later. I don't watch it when it comes on. It's almost kind of like I avoid it for that hour that it's on, and sometimes I won't watch it till the next day, and I, I don't know why. It's almost as if I know that something's going to come and I'm going to have to deal with it, so I just put it off just enough. But there is something uh, that they just get right. They, they have, they're showing what's really never been shown before. I mean, you know, the loss, what it, what it feels like to deal with. And, this, and, you know, I hate to say and go back always to the adoptee, but I do think it is a kind of about us. I mean, we're the main, you know, character in it, and we're the only one that kind of goes into it, you know, with really no, not that birth moms or adoptive parents who come to it with infertility or loss come, you know, at it with, you know, knowing everything either, but we're kind of this little innocent bystander that comes in, and, you know, it's really about us. And I just watch the loss that, you know, even the brothers and the brother and the sister feel, you know, the twins that, you know, it's, there's just kind of this balance of, and they aren't, they aren't given as much attention because, you know, here's, you know, the adopted brother, you know, but I know people that have grown up and it's really kind of been the opposite that, you know, the biological children may get more attention versus, you know, the person that's adopted. So it's, it's very, you know, nothing's ever said, I guess, right? It's not, um, nothing's perfect, but, you know, the fact that she, the mom knew and, and didn't tell and, you know, what her fears went into losing him and, you know, not being able to, you know, tell him everything and tell her husband everything. I can't, it's just, again, secrets. There's just so many secrets and we've, we've got to stop doing that. You know, we've really got to, put everything out there 
and deal with what is. I, and I think from an adoptive right. parent standpoint, what we can take from this show is that it didn't end when you filled the crib. That's just the right. beginning. That's not the ending. And it's, there right. are going to be lifelong implications. And this is going to come up more than once as the child kind of figures things out and puts things together. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm raising two teenagers right now, so this is the uh, identity formation time. And um, one of my goals is to try to have give them access to all of their pieces so that they could do this really hard work. And I can see from this show that um, that is really hard work. Yeah. Oh, it is for sure. Do you, um, are there certain things that along the way that has anything surprised you in, you know, let's, let's go back to kind of, you know, writing the book. Was there anything that, you know, as you were doing that or as you were putting everything down that has surprised you or that, you know, you've, um, you've really just not, not thought was going to be there and, and is. Yeah, I think I think there's been a a gradual evolution that contact is not the be all end all. I I think I started out believing that if we just have these four people around and make them part of our extended family, then there will not be any hot, um hot, hard spots. And if there are hard spots, we can get over them easily. But um, right. you know, Growing up and figuring out who you are, and me getting over my own stuff is, you know, it's it's all it's a challenge. A lot of times, there's no there there. It's not like I'm gonna one day figure it all out. It's you know every day I got to figure out what's in front of me. So I think I think that's it. The contact is not the the magic potion. Contact is something that can work for us, and it brings in complexity. And I have to have better ways to deal with complexity. Right. Do you find, um, I guess I'm kind of curious, too, with with the openness, are there, are there still some of the same matters to, to deal with? You know, is there still some reactive attachment? I mean, have you noticed any of that or, um, or from anybody else, not even necessarily from, you know, your children? I mean, are there still some of those familiar things that are, that are happening, but they're now on a, are they on a different level, or do they still exist with this openness? Yeah, well, I can say that I know a lot of people who adopted babies as newborns who thought that they would be exempt from um, attachment issues, and they were shocked to find out that maybe there is something going on, um, even for a newborn, that maybe there are some, you know, some, memories that are encoded in some way even before there are words to encode them. Um, That sounds a lot like the primal primal wound. And um, so I can, in in the people I've worked with, I can say that I have seen some of what Nancy Verrier was talking about in the primal wound, even for people adopted as newborns. Um, And, yeah, contact can make it, uh, like I said, it makes it more complex. I, I, I don't think we should throw out contact because it makes it hard. I think we should get right. through the hard. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, um, there's a, one of the bloggers who talks about um, she grew up in an open adoption, and uh, she didn't like watching her birth family walk away at the end of each visit, and that might have been hard. I've not observed that in my own situation, but... Um, someday my kids will be able to tell me if I'm observing correctly or not. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I know I always 
I sometimes I'll throw in the the book that I did, and it's totally not for sale. So that's not it. But you know, it it is my feelings in a little book, and you know, um, I was adopted at four days, and there that's there. Reactive attachment is there, and you know, the bus was late, and I would cry. I lived a half a mile from the school. You could almost see my home. So why was that fear there? You know. Um, to go steal night with friends, you know, to be there. Everything is great until it's time to go to sleep. And then I was ready to go back home. And, it, you know, it was this, it's just, and, you know, I can remember thinking, what on earth is going on? You know, and I think we wonder why. And then I went on to become a mother. And so when my kids would go then to steal night with a friend, I would be like, now listen, if you know, if you're afraid, or if something, you know, worries you, you can get a hold of me. And my kids were like, uh, whatever. <laughs> they, they, they couldn't wait to go. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were like, bye. And my children have moved out of state, um, you know, have come back. They're out of state. I mean, I think, okay, how did they do that, you know? So I'd like to think that I was a great parent, and I totally know that's probably not even true. So it just shows within them, though, I think this, when you are sort of grounded, and I think that, again, and I always like to, I always say this, in regular humans, (laughs) because I always feel like we're one of these little superhumans, there's this added layer of 20% that whatever regular humans have, we have this little added amount. And, again, other people are sad during the holidays. Other people have hard times at their birthdays. No one is saying that that doesn't happen to the everyday population. But with adoptees, it's just bumped up, and it's a little more intense. And, you know, I, I think when I wrote that book that I thought I could, I could help parents, and I could help the little people that the parents have. And I don't even know how many hands it's gotten into, but to me, that was the one way I thought I could explain is what I went through in little short sentences and to be able to reach out to the parent in this little parent box and say, and this is why your your child needs this, you know. Um, a, a friend of mine actually did a photo album, and um, the kids had photo albums of their birth family. Oh, my gosh, that would have been so great to have, to be able to look at. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just to see that uh, familiarity, um, it kind of takes away some of the mystery, I think. So Yeah, so that people can deal with what is, not the, not a fantasy or something like that. Right. It, it grounds it and, it, and it, it, gives, it tethers it, I suppose. It does. Well, and isn't that, that, like a really isn't that part of it? There's this fantasy part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. We're we're all from someone famous, I'm sure, you know. <laughs> you know, um, we all have movie star, you know, uh, relatives. And, you know, I'm sure that's that's so true. You know, we're princes and princesses, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're convinced of because we have to make up, you know, something in our head. And why not go all the way? Why not make it great? Right. If, yeah. if there's a void there, why not fill it with something fantastic? Sure, sure. <laughs> Only to be knocked off your pedestal quite quickly. <laughs> but yeah. Um And our and, and I like what you're saying that it it would be really helpful not to have a void there. Give them something. Even, you know, right. no matter what right. your circumstance is, share what you do have. 
Right. Well, and I think that is something that happens quite often, or you hear someone say that isn't really touched by adoption, they will say, well, maybe it's better that you don't know. And they whisper, maybe it's better you don't know. Maybe something's not, you know, going to be great, like you're not going to find greatness. That is absolutely not the point to find greatness. It is just to find, period. I like the way Angela Tucker puts it. She's a transracial adoptee, um, and the um, she and her husband put together the film Closure. And she had a blog post a while back where she said, um, Adoptee, adoptive parents are afraid of knowing, and adoptees are afraid of not knowing. Or maybe afraid isn't the right word, but I thought that was a very well-put, stark difference in the perspectives. And we, as adoptive parents, need to stop being afraid of knowing, of right, not knowing. Right, right. And unfortunately, between, you know, that is that is why a lot of the laws are the way they are. You know, parents, out of that fear... You know, and attorneys, you know, kind of, you know, kind of colliding in with that, you know, decided, okay, let's let's seal some things off. I mean, you know, I don't think it's that adoptees don't understand it. I think that we we understand, you know, how this happened and maybe even why. And, you know, that's not necessarily the problem. The problem is that, you know, it keeps happening and it kept happening. And now that we know different to not change it. I think that's more the problem. You know, um, we we understand that as a parent, we have different positions in life, and we, you know, there is, there are fears. I mean, that's that's just life. However, now that we know, let's not let's not keep it that way, and exactly. you know, move forward and realize that knowing is is so much better. It really is. It just is so much better, and my reunions were 25 years apart, so there was quite a bit, a lot of emptiness for me and not being able to complete it, and it's a, a really long story, so I had to solve it through DNA, and in that fact, we're solving these, you know, cases now every day by the probably thousands, and so, you know, states that are not willing to open this up and are not willing to change the laws really are not helping themselves because it's going to be done anyway. And um, that's just making us face it head on. Exactly. I tell adoptive parents and I tell adoption professionals, you better get ready for openness because it's coming whether you like it or not. With the twin forces of the Internet, which is providing so much connectivity between people not needing to go through gatekeepers to find each other, and, well, like you say, the DNA testing that just keeps getting better and better. Even international adoptees are having success finding um, their, their birth relatives and, you know, so it's coming. The gatekeepers are no longer needed, and they're going to be bypassed. And um, so we better, we better get ready for openness. Cause right. It's, yeah, we it's better. Here. People just better buckle up, put your seatbelt on, let's go, because yeah. we are going to happen. We're going to have to deal with what is, whether we like it or not. So we might as well figure out how to do it in a, in a way that is, um, you know, helpful to everybody instead of devastating to everybody. Exactly. Exactly. I know. Um, you know, I do get contacted quite a bit since Indiana did, you know, open and congratulations <clears throat> we in- on all that, by the way. Well, thank you. Thank you. That I'd like, I mean, I say thank you for the, you know, hundreds of people who helped and wrote in and did everything. Um, 
it's it's a pretty amazing thing, you know, and I think that, you know, we have a chance to spread some of that uh, knowledge, and I don't know that that's going to happen, but uh, I hope it does. Um, is there anything else that you, you know, have noticed that, you know, really has been a game changer, or is there anything that's, that's helped either, you know, families you've talked to, or I know you talk to a lot of adoptees too. Um, you know, yeah, is, another, has anyone another common said theme that I, that I kind of find as I hear people's the stories of adopted people is that navigating their parents, um, landmines, their hidden landmines made growing up even harder than it needed to be. Because, you right. know, especially right. like when you're a teenager and you have your own issues and you're trying to get through those. But if you're also, if you if you get the sense that your parents also have issues around it, then right. first of all, you can't go to your parents. Or if you do go to your parents, you're, you're in for a conflict. Or, um, you know, it, or it could blow up in your face. You don't know what to expect. It's not predictable. You can't really figure out if they're going to help you or be, listen to you or be open to what you have to say. So you clam it up. And I think the on both sides, adoptive parents and the adoptees, the repressing, the clamming it up, the not dealing with it is where we get the really devastating and sad stories. Right, right. It is. I mean, you know, I, I know that children, as they, even at the youngest age, can look at their parents and know, you know, what, sort of our parents are thinking you know we can tell by a look or a glance I mean we you know you know and whether you're allowed to talk about it whether you're not you know is this something that you know you're able to kind of talk through or at least ask questions and some are not and the kids learn very very early if this is a taboo subject to bring up uh, or or to be able to you know ask anything they want to ask and I so wish and I so hope that that eventually is always that way I mean I know adults who still will not go to their parents and say they want to be in reunion or that they're thinking of searching and you know these adults are in their 40s or 50s or whatever you know um, and and there's still that fear we, we are just sitting in that really rough Base that we cannot get past, and I find that just it's devastating. You know, um, when I hear somebody say that, I can't, I can't talk to my parents. You know, and I think, oh my gosh, we're, you know, we're adults, and and we can't, we can't express ourselves still. Yes, it's that either or mindset, that that brittleness that adoptive parents, if they don't work through their stuff, they they kind of carry that into their parenting. And um, it it just makes things harder. I mean, I really do think it's enlightened self-interest for adoptive parents to figure out a, a different way of doing it besides the either or. The both and is so much more soft, softer. It's more connective. It's more truth-oriented. It's uh, it's dealing with what is. And when you see the stark contrast between those two ways, it, it just seems like a natural that you would pick the the way that's going to lead to better connection. Um, you know, truth is almost always better than lies. I, I I don't use absolutes very often, so I'm sure there's one or one or two times you could say you shouldn't tell the truth, but I don't see that in adoption. Right, right, exactly. 
Um, and I don't, you don't have to answer this, so this may be overly personal, and I don't, <laughs> I don't mean that to be. Um, but with your your daughter's um, birth mom, do you feel like, I mean, she also, you know, came out of this, uh, I mean, a little wiser, and you know, together you guys kind of found this this spot. I mean, did did that help? Yeah, I think when we we consciously decided early on that we were going to do this thing that we didn't know how how to do, but we were going to figure it out. And we knew that that meant that we both needed to be very aware of our own inner stuff and that we needed to be really clear with each other about that stuff. So I think that set up a template for us dealing with what is within us and between us and that is probably has probably been the key to our our success. Right, right. And no two families are alike. So it's nice though to have a book that someone can read, you know, that again, it's sort of a guideline, you know, it is it's a nice way to have, you know, just so we've got to start the conversation somewhere, you know, um and I wonder if we'd have had more of that. You know, I just wonder where we would be in in adoption land if we'd had that ability. I mean, I am hopeful that with more and more people having a voice and and talking about it and sharing their stories that, you know, we do move past, you know, certain things. And it encourages others and it encourages, you know, um, parents, you know, on both sides to be able to, you know, open up a little bit. I'm, I'm... I, I can't imagine trying to navigate that. I mean, that's that's. Oh, I, I don't know how you did it. I mean, I really don't. And I, it's it's almost just to the point where I just go because <gasps> I know what I went through, and I you know I know you know trying to talk to my parents about it. It wasn't that there was difficulty, but it's worry on our end that there will be difficulty or that we will hurt someone, and that's the last thing we as adoptees want to do because, of course, we have that good adoptee, you know, um, stamp on our forehead. And we do not want to rock the boat, you know. We just don't. So many things will exist in reunion and not get solved because we do not want to rock the boat. Right, yeah. Do you see that? I mean, have you seen that in other families? And, you know, I don't want you to, you know, reveal anything about your children they're teenagers and that would not be great yeah. but i mean have you seen that with other families or have you seen have you seen things absolutely improve? yeah, yeah. I th- well mm-hmm. i think reunion stories just show how complicated that can be to have this reconnection with your origin after right you know a, a few decades how hard that is to to navigate all that and after reading some of those I, that that's why I was like oh wow if we have this contact we never need to have, subject our kids to this you know so that right. was, that was part of our motivation is that looks really hard let's take this other kind of hard and do that and see if it turns out better and i, yeah. I think it will i, I and I, i'm not saying that it's easy for for the kids in in openness either cuz there is a lot of stuff but it's not that they're waiting until they're 30 or 40 to deal with it they're kind of getting a lot of it early while they're adaptable and um supported and all of that so it 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 doesn't Take it away. It just changes the timing of everything. 
Right, right. You're kind of moving things around a little bit, you know. Yeah. I, I've got to think that that's, you know, I mean, we have to start making improvements somewhere, you know. I mean, we have to. If we don't, we're, you know, it's this, you know, the saying, you know, if you keep doing the same thing over and over, you're not going to, you're going to get the same result. It's not going to change. Um, exactly. We're not going to, we're not, we're not going to get a different ending. And, um, that, I mean, I think that was really a great idea for you, um, turning your blog over to, you know, adoptees and, you know, letting, letting us be able to share. I am a horrible writer, so it wouldn't have been great for me to have done it. But <laughs> well, I mean, I'd I really like a great to encourage, writer in my head, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to encourage people to um, go over there and read some of these posts from the last month. There's one on adoptees and suicide. There's one on right. adoptees and eating disorders. There's one on the push-pull of um, going to meet birth family by a writer named Anne Heffron, who I've become a big fan of. She has a lot to say that adoptive parents would find helpful. Um, There's one by Leslie Johnson on uh, adoptees are in reunion, whether they're searching or not, just because there's always those ghosts of, of the birth parents there and, you know, we can be on we as adoptive parents can be on the journey with them or we can be left by the side they're they're going to go on on their inner journey no matter whether we're with yep. them or not so um i think that, that i mean there's so just true. so many yeah. good things on 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 the blog this this it's lavenderlose.com you know um i mean you bring up a point too you know um we we i mean we will we will go on this journey somehow and we are we're always you know i've heard I, don't, I can't honestly. I don't even think I could count at this point how many adoptive parents have said to me, "My children don't talk about it," so I I'm, I know they don't think about it, and I think you could not be more wrong. And you know, I don't want to ever seem insultive to someone, but I I you know now I just kind of speak out. I mean, in a respectful way, of course, but you know I can say to them, "You're absolutely wrong. You're absolutely wrong," because. That they're always thinking about it. Now, they may not think about it in the same way, you know, I do or someone else does. For their age group, they think about it. For certain, you know, instances, they think about it. I mean, I can remember being 16 and just walking through my neighborhood, and I was getting my driver's license. And I wondered, you know, where where was my mother? You know, where is she thinking about me? Does she think Does she know I'm getting my license? Obviously, she didn't know that. But, you know, just as simple as a walk from my house to a friend's house, in the addition, it was in my brain. And, of course, probably as soon as I got there, uh, being ADD, <laughs> it was then gone. But, you know, we we think about it all the time. And, unfortunately, especially at the holidays, there is there's more suicide. There, you know, there's just this, you know, heaviness of this holiday time. And um, that really devastates me. I, I that's got that's got to stop. We've got to reach out more. We've got to talk more. Um, we can't keep losing adoptees. We just can't. And um, you know, the fear and the not knowing is is really just so heavy. And I wish we could, you know, we could obliterate that. I don't want that to even be a statistic anymore. And then we go into, you know, substance abuse and, you know, whatever. I mean, it's it's all 
it's all real and it's all there. And I think, I don't know if you've ever run into anyone since you are open about this. Have you run into any adoptive parents that have been like, you know, I'm not sure why you're doing that. You know, why are you, why are you wanting to be open? Do you run into that at all? Yeah, I not in person, but on forums there. Are, I, I I find people who um, think that this is not the way to go, and 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 that's that's okay. I think theirs is not the way to go. Uh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I here here's an example. Um, I wrote a post once. Call, uh, I have an advice column, and somebody wrote in and said, "Help! He wants. To, he's a teenager now, and he wants to go live with his birth mom." So. Um, this was posted in an adoptive parents forum and um, it kind of got buried and then somebody found it again and said, oh my gosh, this is my biggest fear. Has this ever happened to anybody? And I wrote back and I said, yeah, it happens to me. My kids sometimes say they want to go live (laughs) with their birth parents and I'm really glad that they do because at least they're telling me about it and not just thinking it. They're letting me into what they're thinking and feeling and so then I can kind of talk with them about it. You know, is this what what is this really about is there any depth or complexity to it and thank you for telling me and you know we were able to deal with it but if they never said that that doesn't mean they're not thinking about it about it it just means right. that they're not sharing it with me that's true and, that's very and true here's another thing it do, i don't think it always means that they actually want to go live with them I think sometimes, I mean, I can pretty much tell you that it doesn't. I think it means that there's something else going on sometimes. Sure. Some may may disagree with me, but my kids are the ones that that get to decide. Right, right. And I think it's probably different for each moment. And, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, if you have a fight with your spouse about not folding the laundry, it's really not about the laundry, right? I mean, it's... Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm not... That doesn't mean that they, they aren't concerned about something within that connection and it doesn't mean that you know that they necessarily you know don't want to get you know get to know their parents anymore or you know that they maybe they do want to go live with them but maybe they don't i mean and with a teenager who really knows <laughs> um it, but and how normal you know, is it to fantasize what that would be like i mean i think sure. when when it's been brought up it it's been in a in a very calm way not in a hurtful way but so then we explore it i wonder what that would be like um, and, right. and then, well, by dealing with what is, we can we can resolve things until they come up again. And, and you know, life sure. is long, and we we're doing these things over and over again because we cycle around. Right. But I didn't right. squash them down, and I think that's that was the key is that they can still come to me with stuff because the way I responded at that time was not to to um, tell them that you know make them sorry that they they brought it to me. Yes, because the instant reaction would be, oh, you know, oh my gosh, that hurts. Don't say that, you know. Yeah, yeah. after Don't. all I've done for you or something. After like all, I've <laughs> you underwear and I have fed you. <laughs> now, how dare you? I mean, but, you know, aren't kids like that anyway, though? And I don't mean that downplaying how we feel as adoptees, but, you know, um, you know, we're not really – we're not really sure of anything anyway, you know, as, as we're being, as you're raising children, I mean, you know, again, and if you bring in divorce, you know, um, you know, your children wanting to go live with the other parent or whatever. So, you know, and, and a lot of parents would be like, how dare you, you know, (laughs) I'm better than your her, you know, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, the different reaction you'd get if you said something like, huh, you want to go live with dad, huh? Can you tell me more about that? Tell me, you know, 
And, right. and then you're actually having a conversation about it. You're getting clues. You're figuring it out. You're, um, mm-hmm. and and you're you remain approachable. So I, I think that's um, that's just how I've chosen to do it. And um, I don't know. I feel like like my kids and I are are pretty close. Well, you have to start somewhere. I mean, somewhere, yeah. somehow, and you have to see what works because again, you know, not every kid's going to be the same and. You know, you, you kind of just have to try. I mean, you have to just see what, what they react to and, and how do they respond and, you know, how do they come out of it and w- what is really going on. I mean, I would love to know when they say that. Again, I'm not, I don't want you to <laughs> divulge that on the air. I don't mean it that way. But I would love to know, you know, when when things were said like that, you know, what was really going on? You know, was it something else? Was it that? Was it? that they need the connection, you know, um, it would be great to really be able to explore that and see, you know, again, we don't have any statistics on this. We don't have anything really to go by. And I don't want to, you know, belittle everything to a survey and everything on a, a percentage, but it is nice to kind of get this, you know, knowledge of, well, the, you know, this child thought this at that time, and, oh, so did 10 others. You know what I mean? So there is some, there's E there, and there is this familiarity, and, you know, maybe boys tend to go at a certain, and maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just straight across the board, boy, girl, whatever. Um, You know, they feel the same. Um, I I know it's really difficult, you know, for, a lot of adoptees too, which this is kind of out there, but, you know, as adoptees go into reunion, you know, sharing their story of who they are to their birth parents. So, you know, opening up, you know, whether, you know, they're gay, straight, you know, whatever, to be able to tell this new stranger, you know, how they feel and what they are in their in their life and how things have gone for them. It's really difficult to open up. So, we put ourselves in this rejection spot again and again, and it's it's a it's a rough place to be, and we easily can get turned down, and it's rough. It's really rough, and I think sometimes there's there's so much to deal with that again there's no there's no program there's no there's no guide to tell us, so that's really difficult. Yeah, there's a. I wrote an essay that I referred to earlier in an anthology about social uh, adoption reunion in the social media age. It was edited by Laura Dennis, and it was kind of meant to be not exactly a guide, but um, a lot of insights to the pitfalls and the you know the, what made things easier, what made things harder, how to prepare. So there, um, that that could be a resource for people who are um, thinking about reunion or wanting to know a little bit more about it. Sure, I think so too. I mean, you know, anything out there that people put together, um, you know, if especially if you've got resources, we can put them on our um, our site for people to look at. I think uh, there's a lot of a lot of um, beginning stories. I think we're just getting into, you know, like you said, the these anthologies that are starting to come out with multiple stories, which I think is great because we all do experience something different to a certain you know, um, point, and it's nice to know when someone's story is sort of similar to yours and, you know, how was it handled and, um, 
you know, how did everything kind of come together? And I think, you know, there's also the other side that we haven't experienced much, which This Is Us talks about, which is the birth father side of the story. So to have, a you know, a first father in the story instead of a mother, I thought that was a really interesting choice. I did too, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder and if I it wonder was, if at some point they'll go into the birth the first mother's story as well. I'm kind of hoping right. they do. I know. I wonder if they thought and this is totally just out of my brain, not anywhere else, but you know, um instead of putting a mother against a mother, you know, maybe you know, the mother and then the father is a different dynamic and mm-hmm. it's seen differently and maybe it's I don't want to say palatable that's not even a, an, uh, the right word but something that it's a little easier on you know someone to listen and think about um, unfortunately because we always seem to pit you know mothers against mothers and that's yeah not that a, that's, either or mindset I think you're right mm-hmm. it changes the dynamics with it being exactly so yeah father. when we change it yeah, and we change it to the father. It certainly does change the, you know, the the way we kind of look at it. And I just I would love to know more of the, you know, the the backstory to how that started and, you know, kind of how um, they've done things. And that's always been my, I think my wish for my peeps is, you know, to be able to you know see shows like this, and it reached so many people and get us talking about it, you know, where it, I would love it that we didn't have to go against each other and that we didn't have to, you know, things didn't have to be an argument because it's so easy to get our feelings hurt and so not to to be able to hear the other person without, you know, taking offense because we all are so different in this and there just isn't, again, there isn't a certain way to do it. So it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely tricky. That's for sure. I would really like to know who they have advising them on this, these storylines because I, I have a sense that it's somebody in the online adoption community because it's just so spot on. Oh, or it is. Kind of some uni- coming out of some universal truths that adoptees have and that you can find anywhere if you if you are willing to listen. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of as we wind up a little bit. I didn't know if there was, you know, anything else you kind of wanted to um, let everybody know if there was anything special or, you know, any anything you see that, you know, we all maybe have missed or anything you've learned in November. I know uh, I really tried to listen a lot and, and see everybody, how they were, you know, feeling and handling it. And uh, there was a lot more information, I feel like, uh, this time round versus, you know, any other November. It's definitely been, you know, it's definitely been full of a lot of information. Yeah, uh, and um, and a, lo- a lot of listening. I think people ha- are now set up for November to listen to um, other people in the adoption triad. I think especially adoptive parents are ready to, uh, more and more ready to listen and they're right, saying why right. so it's it's to our own benefit that we listen because we it all is, want it is. yeah and for everybody for i mean i don't i think we all need to be listening all of us all yeah. sides you know 
Um, I know, I know you have the blog, and I know you mentioned it earlier. So I kind of want, I always like to end it so people know at the end of the show, um, you know, where we're going to mention where to go, where you know, blogs, uh, websites, and things like that. And I would assume, I don't know, we, we need to make sure yours is added to our site too. Um, but if you could tell everybody if they'd like to, you know, get a hold of you or write to you or read more because you have all those great stories from adoptees, where can they go? Sure. The the blog is lavenderlose.com. Lavender because I love the color lavender. And lose because it means light, uh, and I just like the idea of a purple light. <laughs> so lavenderlose.com. And okay. my book is called The Open-Hearted Way to Open Adoption. And uh, it kind of, as, as it says in the title, it kind of focuses on the heart. And I'm really glad that state by state they seem to be coming around to the idea of opening things up uh, that have been closed, shut down tight, because I think opening is, is the way that we're going to make adoption bigger. But I think the next step beyond that opening, that, that legal kind of opening, is that we do need to do the, the work on ourselves and open up our hearts and be open to listening to other experiences and be open to working on our own stuff. We always want to change the other person, but I think, you know, all we all we can really change is ourselves. So working on our own stuff, and I think that's that's probably the recipe for adoptive fa- adoptive parents to better meet their adopted children's needs is to listen, open, and deal with what is. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Well, thank you for being on, and um, we're going to have a. Uh, Hopefully people will learn some of that at our conference. We're having a conference in April of uh, 2017. Um, I talk about it usually at the end of the show, so I don't know what we'll do whenever it finally happens. Um, But we have a lot of great guests coming and a lot of different points of view. There will also be um, CEUs available, so if anybody is a social worker and, you know, interested in coming, you can kind of kill two birds with one stone. But we've really got some some excellent things, um, especially DNA. We've got, you know, some ideas of adoptees kind of just finding themselves through reunion and, you know, what what do we experience. And it's, it's just, I think it's going to be life-changing, I hope. And that connection we're going to have with each other should be amazing. So I checked if anybody's out your lineup and it looks that, amazing. Oh, thanks. Well, I hope I think it will be. I, I really do. It's our first one, but I think we've got a great lineup. So, if anybody's interested, uh, make sure you go to IndianaAdopteeNetwork.org and uh, take a look around. And uh, you know, there are all kinds of uh, great hints on there, and there's information about the conference that will actually come out in January. We will do um, a nice launch, and everyone can register. Um, just know there are limited rooms at the one hotel. We're trying to get a second one. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be really great. So, anyway, if you're interested, IndianaAdopteeNetwork.org. Um, join us in January for um, my next guest, which will be April Dinwiddie. And uh, she is with the Donaldson Institute. So, we'll take a little break for the holidays and my birthday. And thanks again for being on. I really appreciate it. And thanks for everybody for listening. Um, Until next time, remember, blue skies and green lights, everybody. Thank you.